there is only one true way to be enlightened and entertained with the best sports knowledge. That way is the American way. Welcome to the American Way podcast. Here's your host, Amir. Well, good, assalamu alaikum. Happy Friday. Welcome to the American Way. I'm your host, Amir. Uh, first of all, I never actually told you guys what assalamu alaikum actually even means. It is, an, a Muslim, it is a traditional Muslim greeting, and it translates from Arabic to English to mean, peace be upon you. So if you've heard me say that on the last three podcasts, and you're wondering, what the hell is Amir saying? I'm saying, peace be upon you. Blessings upon you. Uh, good evening. Happy Friday. We're at the weekend. So we're going to ha- have a great show tonight. Uh, my buddy, uh, my good friend, Josiah, J- Josiah Dury joins me. We had a lengthy chat about the Wolves, uh, North Carolina hoops, uh, the WNBA basketball, and the Vi- some Vikings offseason chatter. Also, uh, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, I will be re- reviewing... Uh, the last episode, the today's episode of WandaVision, the first six episodes, I'll be explaining what it possibly means in terms of the course of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, sort of how my brain is exploding. We'll be having, a, but first of all, I just want to just explain how crazy the ending of that Gophers game last night was. I came back from Lifetime Fitness at around four, five, five fifteen. And the Gophers were just lagging. They were just, they had no energy. And they were, they weren't, they were never down by 10. They, they fought, the, the lowest, the largest, the, their deficit was to Purdue was seven, I believe. But they just played with no energy. This kid, the freshman from Purdue, Travion Williams, he was just balling. He was outplaying William Robbins. And Robbins has been an all Big Ten player most of the season. But this kid, Williams, was just dominating. And I was, and, there was just no energy from the Gophers. I was like, well, they're going to lose this game. It's a game they needed to win at home to boost their resume for the tournament. And Marcus Carr just showed up. My goodness. Down six, two minutes to go. He just hits a three. Hits another three to tie the game. Then he hits a three with eight seconds, with ten seconds to go. Are you kidding me? It's just my goodness. Marcus Carr is an all-Big Ten player. He's just he. I can't. I still am. It's been twenty four hours uh, since the, since the game ended, and I still can't believe the Gophers found a way to win that game. It's just impressive. They're tw- now thirteen and one at home this season. It's just incredible. Uh, it's incredible that. But the, the, I I I worry heading into the heading into Mar uh, with March coming around the corner. I'm still worried about this team. Their offense is very disjointed. They, it's a very just disjointed offense in that they they take a lot of three pointers even though they're not a good three point shooting team, they, they 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 try to cut to the baskets, but it's like they, they don't they don't look at their secondary options offensively. Now I think their calling card should be their defense. 
they need to clamp down on defense. Gabe Kelcher has, has been phenomenal defensively. Brandon Johnson has been incredible. He had a great game last night. But I, I, I still worry about their, this team offensively. They just they 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 were lack they were just lagging for most of the second half. Although, like I said, the car he just was went bananas hitting those three threes in the last minutes. So it's just, it's an impressive win for the Gophers. Uh, they beat a, their fifth their fifth their fifth win over a ranked team this season. Uh, they hadn't done that since 2012-2013. So that's impressive that they won five against ranked teams, helping the resume. But yeah, it's just. Just an incredible win that I still can't believe they found a way to win that game. So yeah, it's a great show coming up. Like I said, we got Josiah Jury coming up in a little bit. After that, uh, a spoiler warning on Wandavision. All right, we're back. Uh, as I mentioned this after this evening, I was joined by my buddy Josiah Jury. We had a long chat about uh, hoops. Uh, NBA, some WNBA talk, some Vikings talk along the way, and of course, we had to get in some some bragging about his North Carolina Tar Heels. Take a listen to my boy, me and my boy Josiah Derry. Hello. Hello, Josiah? Yeah, what's up, Amir? What's up, Josiah? Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? Good. Good. So thank thanks so much for thanks so much for coming on. It's been it's a pleasure. How are how are you how how are you, how have you been holding up to these uh, past few weeks? These these tough times. Well <laughs> just uh you know keep moving forward, right? Um Obviously, the cold has not been too fun the last few weeks, but looking forward to spring. Looking forward to you know better times ahead. So. Yep, exactly. That's exactly right. Uh, although it's been really brutally cold, I mean, we're past almost midway through February, so spring right. should spring shouldn't be too far away. Let's hope. Let's hope. So I brought you on to talk some sports. I know. You're a big, as I was telling the audience, you're a big basket, big hoops fan, big, a big, uh, big Minnesota sports fan, but then you're mostly a hoops fan. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to start off by mentioning some, something very interesting I noticed. I was reading the latest, uh, I think I told you off air, I was reading the, the latest uh, NCAA tournament projections, and I noticed that your North Carolina Tar Heels are projected to face off against my Gophers. The first round of the tournament, if the projections were today, if the if the tournament was to was to happen today. What were the seeds? We're not a, like a play-in, are we? Because neither of our teams are too great this year. But what were the seeds for that? I think you guys were like one of the last four. The, you were the last one of. The, I think you uh, the tar. I think the Tar Heels were one of the last four in. Yeah, that not, makes sense. Not the, they were not the not the first four. But like the right. the last the last four uh, last four uh, buys. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, they've been kind of on the bubble all year and it's certainly a down year, but better than last year still for the Tar Heels. So the one, I, the one thing I'd say about that is I do think the Gophers have had a slightly better season and maybe, maybe are better on paper, but Roy Williams has never lost in the first round of the tournament in his entire career. So if that's what the matchup is in the first round, I've got some bad news for Patino and the boys. Yeah, I think I agree. I mean, like you said, they've been having some down years, but if you get if you get your squad in the tournament, they're the mm-hmm. the Roy's tough to beat. And, yeah, and they've and got a lot of talent. Yeah, yeah. And if we get your squad, like you guys have so much talent. You have Kerwin. Kerwin Walton, you guys have uh, the, uh, you guys have you guys have uh, the other stud. You have Caleb Love. You guys, you guys have some some talented guys. I'm uh, watching the games like uh, obviously we're both hoops junkies. Just watching the uh, following the games, I'm just I'm just surprised at just how poor you, uh, the your team has been playing. I wonder what what, what your thoughts are. Well, they've been playing better lately. Um, I think, you know, they're, like we've said, they're very young. They have six freshmen in the rotation um, out of like the eight or nine guys that play. So coming in with a young team, especially for point guards, it is hard for point guards to get, um, to have success in Roy Williams' system in the first year. Kobe White was really an exception in that. Um, Even saw it last year with Cole Anthony, right? Um, So, it's been a little bit of a disappointment, but with with how weird the season's been and, you know, shortened um, practices and all that as well and all the things they've dealt with, you know, I think the good news is everyone's going to be back next year, most likely, unless someone tries to still jump to the NBA. But, you know, having a bit of a down year should all six of those talented freshmen should be back next year. And I think, you know, if they stick around a few years, it's going to be another final full run for these guys. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, these, uh, assuming that they all come back, North Carolina, they should be a good team next year. They should be. I mean, it's got to be hard. Like the last two years, just how, like you're not. I'm, I'm certain you're not used to this from your squad. I mean, they've they've historically just had great teams, great, great players. Like I know, uh, even as recent as two years when you had when you guys had Kobe, you made it all the way to Sweet 16. So, it's I'm sure it's not not something you're you're quite used to as a fan. Yeah, it's the one, um, you know, I'm a big Minnesota sports fan for everything other than Carolina basketball. So they're the only ones that are good, have been good to me. And the last few years, it's been a little bit more apart for the course with my other teams. But yeah, this, just two years ago, they were, they were a one seed in the tournament. You know, Kobe White was um, great along with, you know, Cameron Johnson, Nazir Little, those guys. Um, so we thought, I mean, I thought they were going to make the final four that year. They ended up running into a hot Auburn team that just made a bunch of they made like 16 threes or something crazy when they played in the Sweet 16. So then it's been a down year last year and a lot of injuries last year. Um, and then this year just a weird year. So you know I I think Roy's still got the still got the juice in terms of coaching as well as recruiting. So I, I'd expect them to bounce back. And I mean even all the Blue Bloods this year have been down. Like I mean Duke is terrible. Kentucky's been really bad. Um, you know it's just been a weird year overall. Yeah, I think I read. The first time since 1963 or 1962 that Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, and UCLA are all unranked. Yeah, which is pretty wild. Really. Yeah, wild. when they played, they played Duke. You know, last weekend it was the first time in 60 years that they've played when both teams were were not ranked. So, um, history in the making in the wrong way, but they'll they'll be back, of course. 
Quisuo. Also, while, we're, while I have you on here, Ani, I just want to thank you in, uh, in person that you were the first guy to put me and put my attention on Kobe White. I recall right when the Jimmy Butler, when the, when, and we'll get to the Wolves, uh, uh, the, the, the Wolves business. But I remember when the stuff with Jimmy was going down and Gilgi, my, my guest the other day, uh, he was talking about Nasser Little and the, the, the Wolves getting a top five pick and you were on me saying, no, Nasser Little is not the best player on the team. But you gotta mm. check this kid. You gotta check it, check out this kid, and I I credit you for that. That th- he's been really good. And I know, and, th- and and then two years later, I see do- uh, Doogie sending me a text message, uh, making me uh, irate, reminding me how the Wolves <laughs> passed on Kobe White. So you're you're the, you're the first one who got uh, got me on that on the Kobe train. Yeah, I'm happy to have been right about that, but also really unhappy to have been right about that with how it went with the, um, of course, the Wolves um, passing on him in the draft. But yeah, he came. I mean, he was a, he came in as a freshman to Carolina with him and Nazir Little were the two, um, you know, big name free, um, freshmen coming in. But Little was higher ranked, and they both played. In, I think it was the McDonald's All American game, um, and. Kobe was the one that was like the star. He was just lighting, you know, lighting it up, scoring everywhere. And he came in and had the, he, he set the record for freshman scoring at North Carolina, which obviously is a big deal with all the players that they've had in the past and just was unbelievable that season. One of my favorite players to watch. And, um, you know, he's, he's not a, not necessarily an all around player, but he can, man, he can shoot and he can score and he can make plays too. So um, it's been fun to watch him in the NBA too. I think, you know, we were both, pounding the table for the Wolves to draft him and they went a different direction, which was unfortunate and obviously hasn't worked out. And you know what I was thinking too, Amir was, um, so the Wolves, if you remember in that draft traded up to number six, I believe it was, um, to draft Culver over Kobe who went the next pick. Um, and we all thought they were trading up to get Kobe and we're all excited, but then they didn't. But do you remember who was picked in the the Wolves traded up from 11 to get the six? Do you remember who was picked in the 11 spot then with the Wolves pick? Cam Johnson, and I recall yes. on the broadcast, Who has also been everyone better. was ripped. And I recall on the broadcast, everyone was ripping Phoenix for that trip for for that pick. Yeah, and he's because been the best, probably all around player of the three of them so far in Phoenix. Um, and I was surprised too. I, I mean, he's not the most coming out. He was a little older and wasn't the most athletic guy, but he, man, he can shoot and he can. He's big too, and he can defend. So he's been he's been a, a winning player there in Phoenix, and he's you know would have rather had him than Culver too. So. It's unfortunate all around, but not the worst mistake the Wolves have ever made on the draft either. Oh, not by far, not by far. <laughs> no, I admit, at, the, at the time, I was I liked Culver. I mean, don't get me wrong, I yeah. liked him coming out of college, but I think we both were on the we were on the Kobe train, mm-hmm. and it it also stings knowing that in the same backcourt you have Kobe White and Zach Levine, two of my two of my all time favorites, and coached by Billy Donovan. Just look. Chicago has an embarrassment of riches. Like I would, I think there's at least I don't know what about you. I think on the current Bulls roster, there are like five or six guys I take on this team in a heartbeat. Yeah, and I mean they haven't, you know, I know they obviously have a better record than the Wolves this year, but still not. They haven't exactly come on as like a contender or anything like that. But they're certainly fun to watch, and they've got quite a bit of young talent. And I think even just seeing what Billy Donovan has done this year, you know, it's obviously a big difference just to have a clearly a professional coach who can, you know, put these guys in the right position and 
yeah, I think, you know, I think Levine has been in some trade talks, so I don't know what's going to end up happening there. They're kind of stuck in, in middle ground in some ways, but yeah, I mean, certainly it's hard to, it's hard to relitigate the Jimmy Butler trade because so everyone has gone all over the league now, all the different players that came in and went out, but, you know, I would certainly love to still have them, have them here. Yeah, me too. I think, I think so. Yeah. I know I, I was hearing, they're probably not going to trade them. I know. There was, I was reading. I was reading. Uh, I was reading today that they're they're likely not going to trade him. So that's good news for those guys. But, so yeah, they're fun to watch. Yeah, that's for sure. They, yeah, it's true. So moving on to the Wolves, what mm-hmm. do you think needs to happen to fix this team? I'm looking. I'm I'm watching all the games as much as I obviously. Unfortunately, thanks a lot, Dish. Although probably now now I'm thanking them in the good ways. I can't watch. But exactly. Following the, but following the team, I mean, they have some young players. I like McDaniels has come on, but I'm, they they feel like they're just stuck in purgatory. I'm not sure what you think they need to do to fix things. Like the, yeah, I will say. Little. Yeah, I'll say I'm definitely glad that I didn't try to change any of my TV subscribers or pay anything extra to get Fox Sports North this year. It's been a blessing to not have to. <laughs> I'll still pull on a stream when they're close, but you know. Um, glad I didn't make that decision for the Wolves' sake. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, to me, the most important thing is I know that the odds are against them a little bit with this protected pick with, that the Warriors have, but they need to do whatever they can to, to get the best odds to keep that pick, which is tanking, basically, which they're doing without trying right now. So I don't think it's, you know, I think they're going to end up in that bottom three um, still, especially if the injuries keep, you know, we've only seen Russell and Towns play together, what, five games, four games or something like that over the course of the year. So, um, you know, I think doing whatever they can to keep, to get the best odds to keep that pick. Um, Cause it's going to be a good pick. And, you know, if the lottery fails them, the lottery fails them, but I think that's important. Um, that would be a game changer if they're able to keep it. Um, other than that, I think, you know, unfortunately we got to have to kind of just write off this season with, the way that Towns has been hurt and then had COVID and then um, now Russell's been out. Um, I think it's hard to, I think it's clear that Ryan Saunders is not going to be the coach of this team long-term. I think I'd ride out the season with him, but um, I think that's one thing. I don't have a, a name yet, but I think he's just, I like him, but I don't think he's maybe not ready or maybe, you know, I don't know, but it's, that's been a failure, I think. Besides Indeed, that, I, I, I think you – yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I'm sorry. You, you go ahead. Go ahead. Well, besides that, I was going to say just hopefully Russell can come back and we can see these guys play together some more and see if you can build around those two or if you have to look at potentially moving Russell. Or I know you're already looking to move Towns. I'm not there yet. But, um, yeah, see how they look together. And then, you know, the young talent, like you said, McDaniels and Edwards. And I think – Hopefully Rubio can find a little more rhythm and be a good contributor off the bench, but he's been struggling too, but I can't blame him too much either with the shortened um, training camp and, you know, just the, they've been all over the place, right. With people in people out and they got to find, hopefully they can find some rhythm and know who they can build around Culver's hurt now too. So he's, you know, had some nice moments earlier in the season and then had plenty of that where he looked just as bad as last year. So I've, I've pretty much given up on him, but they have to at least be a little more so they know what to do there too. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think in addition, I think 
I don't know what teams you're going to find. I think they're going to need to find a, uh, a way at the trade deadline to find a, some teams to take on these some players. I just don't, I don't know if they're going to be willing to do that. If I don't I don't know if Gerson is capable of doing that. Just some of his moves have been just seem to backfire. Like I, I don't hate him as a personnel guy, but I I guess I don't know what what find me a team find me a team of the other 29 who's going to want to take Ricky Rubio's. 18 million, and I'll be the first to admit I was wrong. I loved the trade when it happened on draft night. I I predicted the trade two days before, and it just it proved how old I am. It seems like uh, Ricky just got the monsters to steal his talent. He just he had he had COVID in the summer. Looks like he had he had to just have obviously had to, he had to quarantine again, but he he's just not the same guy, and it's sad. But I wonder if there's another team out there. Uh, I know Orlando needs a point guard. Maybe there's some other teams. Out. I just don't know who's going to want to take that contract. Then you have Wancho also. And I just, there's just a lot of players that just have – it's very hard to find value. And I'm just curious. I, I'm just trying to – I'm just trying to find I'm, – I'm, I'm puzzled. As I'm, I'm trying to find ways how they can salvage their assets. I know we, we differ on the Towns front. I'm I don't want to trade Towns, and I don't even know if he's at that point yet. But to clarify what I said the other day, but I just I don't know. It, it seems like this team. You're, you're right. It just seems like this team is moving around in circles. Yeah, I think I wouldn't be ready to unload Rubio unless somehow you know that you're going to use that cap space for someone else that's better. Um, just because I don't think the Wolves are in the position where anyone necessarily is going to come here as free agency. So anyone noteworthy at least. So if you can put it, you package him in a trade with a pick or something and get, you know, some, get an upgrade somewhere, get some more talent in then yes. But just to get rid of him for the sake of the contract, I wouldn't do that unless somehow they really get up against it. And, you know, Glenn says we got to cut salary, which I doubt would happen. Um, in terms of, yeah, I think, that's why I kind of focus on the draft. I think that that's the only way to get real front, you know, frontline talent in here is through the draft or trading assets that you got through the draft in terms of like trading Wiggins for Russell, things like that. Um, so that's why I hope that they're able to hang on to that pick. And then, um, you know, we haven't mentioned Beasley yet, but I think he's been the other bright spot. Um, and I liked him right when he came last year, just the energy he plays with and he can score and um, he's, I wouldn't say he's a great defender or anything, but he certainly brings energy on that end as well. Um, so, I, you know, I would be happy to build around him. Um, Towns, of course, Russell, if we see that they're a good fit together, um, then I'd be happy happy to have it. Um, and if not, you know, try, I don't know if you can find any value for him either. That would be worth it. But And then Edwards. So I think there's, you know, there's some pieces there. It's just, I think, getting in the right coach that can maximize their um, – their window starting next year um, is important. And then hopefully they have, they able to get some more talent through the draft. McDaniels is a big hit if they, if he continues to play, like finding talent outside of the lottery um, is really hard. And I think that that's an exciting one. You're right. And I think we have to give Rosas credit that they got, they found Jaden McDaniels when they did end the first round. They found like Nas Reed undrafted. You have Mm -hmm. to give them credit. You have to give them credit for that. And I, I agree with you. I think I think Malik Beasley is probably 
now a lot of a lot of voters won't notice it because he because of the record of the team. I think he went. I think he should be in the in the running for most improved player. Yeah, I mean he's he's the Timberwolves' most improved player. <laughs> he's not gonna, you know. And I agree. I mean he's just not never gonna get considered because the Wolves are the worst team in the league. But yeah, I agree. I mean he's certainly taken a, a significant step up. And I think the one good thing, you know, the coaching. I think we would agree that the coaching on the floor hasn't been great and the rotations haven't been great, but the talent development is is a sign of life and I think is something to point to and hope continues in terms of guys like Reed, like you said, and even um Vanderbilt. even the other J even yeah, Vanderbilt and the other J Mac McLaughlin. Um you know, these these guys are a little showing some sparks and I think there could be something there. Yeah, I think there could be something there. I guess I question like I feel like the the players you'd want to have if you're a team that's already good, if it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Not trying to not trying to rip on the wolves. I mean, I love them more. I love them as much as anybody. Like, uh, I, I, as I mentioned on the first episode, I'm the Don Corleone, Don Corleone of Minnesota sports. Yeah. But I, I feel like they're great young pieces for a team that's already good. If it makes sense. So I think you just need to hit on. You just need to hit on a home run, like a good like a a player that's a player that's so you need you need to hope that a player like Edwards truly develops. Yep. Yeah, and I think I mean the other thing is they came into the season without a starting power forward, right? And they've been had a revolving door there with guys that, you know, can't live up to what they need out of that position. So, you know, if you can get get healthy going into next season and have I do think that there will be a coaching change and I think that will um, help to, you know, put everyone in the right position. I I don't think that they need a ton more to be competitive. At least you know they're not going to be in the top half of the West, but they could be you know around that six, seven, eight seed. Um, I think with the roster they have, with a few um, a few tweaks and a few additions, um, and I think you know unfortunately we're going to need a coaching upgrade as well. I think that's been proven so far this season. So you know coming in if they can can be healthy going in next year and hopefully they have an upgrade at power forward and maybe another young um, top three pick. That would be huge. And, you know, maybe Edwards can be starting by then too. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's what we have to hope for. If we were to keep the pick and hopefully not lose it, I know lottery reform mm-hmm. makes it harder to keep, but who who do you like? I mean, I, I personally like Jalen, love Jalen Suggs. And not to, mm-hmm. not, not to show my hometown bias, but just, <laughs> Watching a lot of Gonzaga games, he just seems like the guy to me. Uh, what do you, What do you think? Yeah, I haven't seen a ton of him. I actually did see him um, last year in in January when um, when Bronny James came and they played a Target Center against um, against Suggs and their squad and um, Minnehaha won. You know, beat them by about twenty. I think it was. Um, and so that was exciting to see, and he was he was great. And um, shoot, what's the name of the um, Chet Holmgren was the other guy that was just dominating that game. Oh my gosh, he had like ten blocks in that game, something like that. Um, it was crazy. But that's I've seen a little Gonzaga, but other than that, you know, that's kind of what I know of him. But he's certainly going to be. I think he'll be a top five pick. And you know, um, Cade Cunningham is the other guy that everyone is you know, has hyped up and I think that the hype is real with him too. So, you know, I'd be happy with either of those guys and I'm sure there'll be others that'll pop up too that I haven't 
I haven't looked too much at, you know, mocks or anything like that yet. Me neither. I know there's a couple of guys in the G League, uh, that, that, that G League, and there's a guy I was reading up on the other day, uh, Jonathan Kaminga, I believe his name is. He looks okay. intriguing. I think there's one guy I like. I, now, he's not going to be a top three pick, but one guy I I found myself watching and loving was the kid for Texas, uh, Greg Brown, I think his mm-hmm. name is. He he is really good. He looks really – he's probably not going to be a top three pick, but he's some some team in the back of the lottery is going to get him and and be very happy, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I haven't looked if the Wolves, you know, what they have for other draft picks either. I don't think they have another first rounder. So, you know, you know, sometimes those things get traded around too. But that's, I think, what they've got to put their eggs into that basket and hope that they get lucky two years in a row with the lottery and are able to keep a top three, top three pick. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think I don't know about Edwards. I mean, I'm. I guess I'm higher on him after 25 games than I was on draft night. Yeah. I guess. I know, obviously, tonight. Uh, tonight we have Ball going up against Edwards. They're both, they're both uh, playing. They've both been playing pretty well to start the season. I don't know. I mean, it's still the jury's still out on Edwards. I just, I just hope that they that they got it right on him. Yeah, I, I mean, I like him. I think the one thing I don't, and I like Rosas too. I don't know if I believe him when he says they're taking best player available instead of positions of need, and that goes back to even the Culver pick, because I think they knew they were going to get D'Angelo Russell eventually. They didn't get him that summer, but they got him the next um, winter or whenever that trade happened. Um, and I think that that's why they didn't draft point guard there. They knew that they were going to be getting him. And then, you know, in this draft, you know, didn't take Paul because you've got a point guard and didn't take Wiseman because you've got Towns. So, I think all three of the guys are good, though. I don't think Edwards is going to be a bust or anything like that. I think they're all good, but I think that is that factored into the decision more than him actually being head and shoulders above those two guys because I don't think he is. And I think you're right. I think I'm, I'm, I'm much higher on Edwards as a team. I think all three guys are going to be good. I think the one and I want to get your opinion on this. The so one thing I was really shocked about draft night, and I've been proven right on this: how in the world could ten teams pass on Tyrese Halliburton? Yeah. I mean, I. Yeah, I mean, I don't have an opinion other than that stuff happens all the time, <laughs> you know. Um, there's always going to be a guy that comes in where it's like, why is the consensus on this guy so low? Even I would even, you know, hype up my own guy, Cole Anthony, as a guy who had a down year at Carolina but came in as, you know, looking like a top five pick when he when he started college and obviously as a talent and as a contributor and should have gone five picks higher than he did too, so – I think that's, you know, they overthink these things and there's people who fall in love with the, with raw talent over, you know, actual production right now sometimes too. Um, so it's interesting. Yep. And, and Wolves fans are already familiar with our, with your, with your guy Cole, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. That was a, that was a heck of a shot, man. I, I didn't actually see that game live, but I, I was traveling and I saw, that Cole had hit a three to win the game. And I was like, Oh, that's exciting. And then once I saw the actual highlight, I was like, what in the world, this shot he's on the, you know, in transition, pulling up like off balance and just nails it up. You know, I guess since I'm cheering for the tank, I should be happy about that, but it's good to see him succeed, especially after some injuries and stuff. He had a tough time last year in college, but you know, once a Tar Heel, always a Tar Heel. So we'll, 
So we'll support him through it. Agreed. So moving on here, I mean, obviously the off season's in full swing now for the NFL. I'm curious to get your thoughts on what do you think the Vikings should do? Like, what direction do you think they should be heading in? Uh, I have my own thoughts. I'm just, I'm just curious from this, in this, in this soon as mind like yourself, what do you think? Yeah. So, my, this, to me, the most important thing is in both free agency and the draft is I would be happy if, if Rick Spielman only focused on the lines in everything that he does. With You know, there's going to be a few other things here and there, but if that's their primary focus, offensive line and defensive line, um, I think that's what's going to make this team better more than adding a, a third receiver or slot corner or things like that. You know, those are needs too, um, or even, you know, potentially another safety. Uh, those are needs too, and I think they'll get filled out. But I think the the area where they can upgrade the most is is on both lines. Um, the offensive line's gotten a little better over the years. It's not quite as bad as it was three four years ago, but it's still definitely the weak the weak um, spot on our offense, and it's still holding Kirk back in a lot of ways. I think so. I would love to see an upgrade there. I'd love to see. Obviously, you're getting Hunter and um, Pierce back on the defensive line, so that's going to help more than anything else would um, just having those two guys back, but I think they still could add, you know, and we'll talk about the draft, but I think that's probably the, the target spot for that, um, for that first round pick. And um, that was obviously the, I mean, they had the worst defensive line in the league last year after they traded in Like it was just, it was crazy to see because that's always been the strength of the Vikings defense going back to even, I mean, throughout the, all of Vikings history, but even, um, more recent Vikings history from the Williams wall on to, you know, the last few years of, of Zimmer's defense too. So I think that'll be the biggest area um, of development and, you know, there'll be targets here and there too in the skill positions, but I would love to just focus on the lines and do as much, as much there as we can. I, yeah, I agree with you. I think I'll, I'll, we'll have to flesh it out more and more as the months go by, but I think, I think they should fo- just focus on the two lines. I think you focus on maybe on one one spit, one line spot in free agency and the other in the draft. I don't think they mm-hmm. haven't – they'll have to find a cap room somehow. I think they will. Yeah. But I think if they got one one big-time guy in free agency on one side and then drafted in the first round on the other side, I think that would be the way to go. I think – I agree with you. I think it's – you see the teams that played well in the – that played deep into playoffs, they had really good, off, strong offensive lines really good versatile defensive versatile defensive lines that put a lot of pressure. So I think if the Vikings just improve in those areas, they'd be a much better team. Yeah. And I think even the Super Bowl showed us that like, you know, going in, I was always like, wow, Mike Remmers is starting in the Super Bowl. Does this prove that the Vikings were wrong and you were just had other problems or no, actually Mike Remmers is the problem as we saw with even the Chiefs. So um, yeah, I think that's, the biggest thing they can do to set up Kirk better to succeed. He's already got all the weapons he could want in Dalvin and Justin and Adam Thielen and even the tight ends. So we'll see what happens with Rudy. Um, but I like the young tight ends too. I do too. I think, I think, uh, I don't know if they'll be able to get the biggest names offensive line wise, like sure or, or Thune. I think a, a name I've been I've dropped in the past. I think a guy like John Feliciano would be a name to watch on the offensive line. I think I think guys like that. I think if you could get 
I think if the if you improve not just on the interior but just in general, I think I think uh, defensive line like you're right, Hunter and Pierce will be back and that'll help. But I think the, the, what they need to work on is just the overall depth of both groups. I think mm-hmm. not necessarily one specific spot, but I feel like their depth on those on the lines is what the, what was the issue. Yeah, and I I'm you know this week they came out saying that they're they were paying Riley Reefs million dollars and everything and I think that hopefully that's a sign they're going to keep him because I personally I get the cap savings and I get that he's getting old but I don't think we're in any position to be letting at least league average if not a little bit better left tackles go um, I think we need all the help we can get I'd, lo- I'd love to see him stick around for another year and if that's the case you really just need one or two interior guys you know we're set with Brian O'Neill. I think Cleveland is fine and maybe could get better as time goes on. Bradbury is a question mark, but I think we have to roll with him at this point and hope he can, I mean, he improved this year, so hopefully he can continue to improve. And I, I'm trying to remember if, I guess the O-line is coaches staying the same. Do you know, Amir? With uh, yeah, Rick Dennison staying, uh, yeah. staying on as O-line coach. So. Figured. Yeah, I don't know how I feel. I Hopefully that's okay. <laughs> Yeah. Got, I don't know. I guess it's a talent issue more than a coaching issue, but yeah, he, yeah. here's a fun fact: the new the new wide receivers coach for the Vikings scored two touchdowns the last time before Sunday that the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, he's. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. Yeah, me too. I think he has experience and he. He he helped. I think he he played a big part in developing those guys and DJ Chark and he had the uh, the kid uh, Keelan Cole. Is that he pronounced his name? Keelan Cole. And you had, well, I uh, believe he coached Diggs in in college too. McCardell did. Yes, yes um, he did. And Diggs was Diggs raved about him. So I think I mean I'll take I'll take his word for it. And I think you know Jefferson's already a All Pro guy, but I think you know in my opinion All Pro. I don't think he actually made All Pro, but. He will. He will eventually. Um, so hopefully, you know, I think, what do you think about the, what do you think about the um, third receiver spot? Do you, are you looking at, there's a lot of receivers in the free agency out there. I think the Vikings are in a prime position to pounce, and I'll tell you why. The market is saturated. There's right. a good 10, 15 solid receivers in free agency, and I think this is a really deep, and I, I know people say this every year about each draft class at receiver, but this draft class is deep. Uh, so I think the Vikings are in a prime position to pounce. I think if they chose to go for agency, I don't think they're in the position cap-wise uh, to pursue an Allen Robinson or a Marvin Jones. I think if they were – I don't know what you think. I think in free agency, one name I'd watch is Rashard Higgins, a name like sure. him. I think – but I, th- I think mo- I think mostly they shouldn't be trying to go for receiving free agency just because they have a – at this moment, they, they have a depth uh, – they they have a large number of draft picks in the middle rounds. I think there are a bunch of receivers that like there's the kid from uh, Western Michigan, uh, like him. Uh, I think another guy I like is Trayvon Grimes from Florida. I think he'd be a nice uh, day three player. So I think I think yeah, there's a lot. Whether they choose to go the free agency route or the draft route, I think they are in a prime position to get a number three receiver. I don't uh, I don't know what you. Th- I don't know what yeah. you're, you're looking at. Yeah, so there was a list that came out this week that 
I don't remember who tweeted it. Um, just saying like he said the 10 or 12 like big name free agent wide receivers that are out there. And you already mentioned a couple of the names. Marvin Jones is one that I was like, man, can you imagine? But I don't think he'll probably get paid more than we could afford. But if we could somehow get someone like him, I'd love that. But I agree with you on the mid-round pick thing because I feel like every year you should take at least two receivers like in the fifth, sixth round, fourth, fifth, sixth round, because that's a position that is always going to have deep talent in the draft. It seems like that's where the guys go. Like that's where the most athletic, most talented guys go is to be wide receivers at this point. So you can hit on someone like Diggs in the fifth round or, you know, whoever else, even if you don't hit that, even someone like BC, like is, is all right. You know, he's a, he's a player. Um, so I think taking, taking a couple of shots in the middle rounds um, every year is, is important because you never know what, where you could hit on, hit on a wide receiver. Cause there, there are so many of those guys that are, you know, NFL quality players coming out that there's more guys than there are spots for them, really. You're right. You're 100% right. It happens every year. And that's why I'm I'm even more disappointed that we don't have, that we lost that second-round pick. Because I think yeah. there are two, maybe three first-round uh, great guys who are just going to be pushed out of the first round. I think uh, my hometown guy, Bateman, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see where he lands. I know uh, Rondale Moore is another guy. It's like, Every year, there's just so many, so many great receivers, and that not all of them can go in the first round. Yeah, it's going to be interesting if this continues too, because obviously last year was such a great. It was you know said said to be the best receiver draft class ever or whatever. Um, but and and then you have that list of all these guys that are free agents too. It's like we're starting to see wider the wide receiver position across the league is like everyone's got two receivers you know I think the Vikings have better than most teams but still there's it's not hard to find really good wide receivers um, so I, it'll be interesting to see if that continues to you know if there's a little bit less value in those um, in those guys in terms of big contracts and those sorts of things or you know I don't know what's going to happen with that but it just seems like every year there's more and more receivers coming in and it's harder to find spots for maybe some of the veteran guys when these guys are, are pushing up against their jobs yeah, I agree with you. I think it'll be very interesting to see the draft strategy for this team. Obviously, they have they don't have a they have, they have a 14th overall currently, no second rounder, but they have four third rounders and four fourth rounders, and mm-hmm. there's, there's a bunch of bunch of holes that could use fixing. So it'll be very intriguing to see what players are able to get, get gather in the draft. Yeah, I think. You know, you just mentioned we don't have a second-round pick, but I would expect Rick to jump back up either earlier in the third or into the second round with all those picks in the third and fourth. Like you said, I, would, I could see him packaging a couple of those and moving up and getting, you know, to get if there's a guy that they're really targeting there. Um, otherwise, I think, yeah, I'm primarily focused on the defensive line in that first round, um, whether it's edge or interior. I think, you know, that's another spot where there's you can really get a, you know, all pro game changing type of guy um, usually in the first round. And they've, when they've taken shots like that, they've usually hit on them with high picks in the, on the deal, on the defensive line. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think there are two, there are some good options at 14. And I think if they wanted to get a second round pick back, they could move down five or six or seven spots. There's a bunch of good interior defensive linemen who are projected to go late first round. So, if they wanted to go that route, that's I think that's another direction they could go to. 
Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I would be happy if they went offensive line too, but honestly, their track record is not as um, convincing when it comes to offensive line guys. So I feel a little bit better about for sure getting a, a stud guy on the defensive line that, you know, Zimmer can, can use to his full potential. Yeah, definitely. So back to the NBA, I'm just curious your thoughts. I mean, they came out last week that for, for whatever, for God knows what the reason, they're, ha- they're planning to have an all-star game in Atlanta in the middle of a pandemic. I'm just curious, based on what we based on what we heard from the reaction around the league, what do you think about it? I mean, I, I guess I don't know how to think about it, but it, it doesn't sound like the brightest idea, but I guess they need to make money. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, I I mean, I was a little bit surprised when they said they're doing it, and I agree certainly with the players in terms of, I think more so than the, even the pandemic factor is the rest factor, especially for teams like the Lakers who have not had, you know, they had the shortest off season in sports history. And then they say, you know, LeBron was saying, he's like, you know, we were told we're going to get these five day, this five day all-star break. And we're, and that's going to be a chance to actually have a little time off. And of course he's going to be, he and Davis and whoever else from those teams that were in the playoffs and had a, you know, were in the bubble, you know, there goes that, break for them. So I, I hope that that doesn't lead to any, um, any injuries or any just decrease in the quality of play over the last half of the season. Um, I think, you know, it's a little bit hypocritical to have to do an extra game in a pandemic with the way that the NBA has, you know, been claiming to be all cautious about it, but I have a hard time really getting upset about it when this week we're seeing after the Super Bowl, like Tampa Bay, Buccaneers players are all out here on boats and the whole boat parade and not a mask in sight and all this, you know, they just threw caution to the wind. So the NBA having one more game with all the protocols in place, I can't get that mad about it, but I do see, you know, I think they would have been better off not doing it, but I don't think it's the worst thing in the world either. Yeah. I I guess I agree with you. I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I mean, I, I agree with you that I think it's just, the rest is it's the risk factor. Also, I mean, I guess I know I understand they're doing it in Atlanta because Turner Sports is there and the HB, there's a bunch of HBCUs located there. But I guess Atlanta is like it's Atlanta is one of the buildings that they allow fans. This is this is the place where uh, where uh, you had the courtside you have the courtside lady who yeah. took over Braun. So just it's there's just too many there's just too many hot spots there for me. I guess I. I understand both sides. I understand the league needs to make money because they have a TV contract. But I think the players, they, number one, we, if they if they care about the health and safety of the players, number one, they, they need rest. They can prepare for the long playoff run. Then number two, they just it just it would it it mitigates risk if you don't have it. So I guess I I I see both sides, but I just think it's a very sticky situation. Yeah, that was absolutely wild seeing a courtside fan like actually courtside. I, I they say that they were thirty feet away, that they're still thirty feet away from the floor, but it certainly didn't seem like it. That was that was wild to see. Um, so I don't know if the, I'm assuming they're gonna have fans for the All Star game too. Um, but hopefully they're. I know that they're. You know, you have to take all the precautions, but then you have to also make sure you look like you're doing everything the right way too. So hopefully they keep those appearances up even more so than the actual. Um, you know, protocols that they have in place. And, you know, I was wondering, you know, 
is it not possible to do if you have to have an all-star game so bad do something at the end of the season I know that we have the Olympics this summer so it pro- you know and players usually once the season's over they're traveling and they're not going to want to come back to something like that but you know we'll, hopefully we'll be in a much better place in three four months five months and it might make a lot more sense to do something like that at the end of the season but I guess that the NBA didn't really think that way yeah, that might make more sense. I, I think you're right. I think, obviously, it might be a bit more tricky because we'll be at the end of the season and everyone will just want to be get get out of there as fast as possible. But I think you're right. I think if they found a way to do it when it's safer, that wouldn't be such of a bad idea. Uh, yeah, and the one thing I'll say, too, is the All-Star game last year was awesome. Like, they had the ELM ending. It was a, the most exciting All-Star game I've ever seen. And I don't know if that's going to be the case again this year, but so I'm, I'm excited about the idea of an all-star game, but I don't think I have a hard time believing the players are going to be as gung-ho about it, which I understand. And they haven't announced anything about the format or anything like that either. So it'll be interesting. I, yeah, I think I'm going to watch it, (laughs) but I, the players I think have are rightfully, you know, sharing their feelings about it too. I agree. Move on to the uh, talk about the rest. I'm just watching these games. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know about you. I'm just in awe with LeBron and he's 35, or he's 36, 36. 36 years old, 36 years old, and he's still playing at the top of the game. It's just impressive how it's just, it's just so impressive how he's just still managing to play at his the top of his game. He's he's the only player I've ever seen that can you know, put up 27-7-7, giving about 70% effort, right? He, You're right. He's a, I mean, there was the game, the one game he had this year where he scored, I don't remember how much it was, 46, something like that against Cleveland, was the only time I've really seen him go, like, playoff LeBron mode this season, this regular season. And that was just because he was hot and he was going off against his old team, which was awesome to see. But he's putting up these great games, and the Lakers are winning, and he's he's in Lacoste mode, right? Like he can, he just it's pretty it's pretty unbelievable to watch how he can still be the best player on the court while resting while he's playing, you know. Um, so I am a little bit worried about just overall coming from that shortened off season after the whole, after playing, after being in the bubble for 90, however many days, I would, I hope, I'm sure he is, but I hope that he and the rest of those players are taking the long run into account in terms of you still have four or five months left of the season to get to the, to the NBA finals. So I wouldn't have any problem if there's a little bit of, of rest load management and that kind of stuff. I don't think they will though. They, you know, he's perfected, resting while playing in terms of, you know, he knows the exact limit to how much energy he has to expand for them to win and for him to put up the numbers he needs to. And that's what he does. And he's still the leading candidate for the MVP. So it'll be, it'll be exciting to see the rest of the season, but yeah, it's, it's pretty unbelievable to think even two years ago when he got hurt coming to the Lakers and everyone was kind of like myself included, who is, you know, the biggest LeBron fan you'll meet is he, is this a step down, you know, now that he's on the Lakers, will he ever get back there? And he came back and, you know, he's, he's not as athletic as he once was, but he, you can't tell me he's playing any worse than he ever did. He's still in his prime. He's still, 
can do more things on the court and his, you know, the way that he sees the game and the way that he controls the game is gets better every year. He is. It's amazing to watch. I, I was like you that when when he had that when he had the groin injury a couple of years back and we were all wondering like is this is this it for him and it's like no it's just, he he needed some help obviously but it's like this this guy this guy is he the way he trains and the way he prepares his body he's just I've I've, I've never seen anything like it just at his, at his size and even when he was younger when he was like coming in just look at look at the, his size the size of him. And you see just how fast he moves, how fluidly he moves down the courts. It's just always, it's just always been amazing to watch him play. Yeah, I mean, there's there's the physical aspect, which obviously he's one of, if not the best athlete we've seen play the game. And then there's the mental aspect in terms of he's been in this is the 18th year in the league. He's played almost every game every season, including the season he's played every game, and then he's played like about four seasons on top of that worth of playoff games. I love basketball. It's my favorite sport. I'd love to do I would love to go play basketball every day, but I can't imagine doing that every night and just and still having the focus and the determination to be better and to be to care. Like on a given night, like imagine how many games he's played, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you're right. I mean and I'm I'm with you. Like I I could if I could if I could I'd play every day of my life. But yeah, it's like I don't the 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 level that he just continues his the level of his consistency is just remarkable. Yeah, it really is. It's I you know have tried to watch as many of their games as they can just because I don't want to you know I don't want to take it for granted. I want to keep appreciating him while he's here because you know eventually this will end. Probably not anytime soon, but eventually it'll end. So I want to soak up as much of his career as possible because I think it's it's the best I've ever seen. That's for sure. He sure is. He sure is. Thank you so much, Josiah, for your time to this evening. Uh, you Amir, know, let me just great. let me give. I gotta give Paige Becker as a shout out. Oh yes, <laughs> you know, she's a bad woman. She's a bad yeah. thirty thirty in a row, thirty points back to back. Yeah, I told I told Amir there's two there's two freshmen from Hopkins that we gotta talk about, Kerwin Walton, and then someone that's coming to be. Could be another goat eventually. Paige Becker's man, she, yeah, like you said, three, three thirty-point games in a row, and that's the first time anyone on UConn has ever done that. And UConn, obviously, has plenty of names that have come through there in their history. That's true. They have, uh, uh, you know, you have a program that had produced probably five current slash future Hall of Famers. You have Robo, then you have Tarasi and Bird and and Maya, all these. Stewie, all these great players, and none of them did this. She's just phenomenal to watch. Yeah, I didn't think that she would be this good this soon. You know, often for women's college basketball, there's not a ton of freshmen that take over in the way she does, especially at a program like UConn, which I guess they must be a little bit down right now just with how much she's clearly their best player. Um, But she's only going to get better, and I think she's, you know, I was talking to my buddy Ryan, and I said, she reminds me of, of tr- the Trevor Lawrence of women's college basketball, just the way that she came in as a freshman and is going to have such an impact. And, you know, they haven't won the national championship yet, but they've got a, a great shot at it. And there's, you know, she's going to be in college at least three years. So I think she's going to have 
you know, one of the greatest careers in college, like, you know, similar to how Trevor Lawrence has the last three years. And I just hope that, you know, the Lynx just traded a, for a first round pick for next year this week. And I hope, I just hope Cheryl is, is accumulating picks to try to get enough ammo to get her in three, four years, whatever it ends up being. I do too. She's awesome. Paige is awesome. Let me move on to the Lynx really quick. I'm just curious to get just, I was talking with a buddy of mine and it's just really puzzling. It's like, Ariel announces she's signing. There's still it's been three almost three weeks, still no announcements. I'm just curious what your your thoughts on that are. It's like this, this team, assuming Ariel is going to sign, this team could. It's like we all thought two years ago this franchise was was their their days their their days as uh, perennial champions was over, and it's just like no, it's like they're probably going to be, if not the best the best starting lineup in the league, maybe the second best lineup in the in the week going into the season yeah i think um they sure turned it they sure rebuilt or reloaded fast and after after Lindsay retired and maya you know we don't know if you know she's obviously doing bigger and better things and it's awesome to see that but um yeah i mean it just starts with collier is is really really good and i think she could potentially be a you know a league mvp eventually and Obviously, they've had the rookie of the year now too, with um, well, two years in a row, right? With Collier two years ago, and then and then Dangerfield last year. So, um, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think you know they made the conference finals last year. I think I would expect them to be right in the mix again this year. I wouldn't necessarily think that they're the favorite to win, but you know, with Cheryl and with the talent that they have, and Fowles is even still around, I think they've definitely got they're definitely going to be in the mix, and it's fun. They're just fun to watch it's fun to have a team that's always able to exceed expectations rather than <laughs> fall short of them like all of our other teams yeah definitely i think i think their starting five is they're probably they have the deepest roster in the league i think i agree with you maybe a team like chicago has a more loaded front five loaded starting five than them i know connecticut is good even without thomas but i think i think they're yeah they're they're they're, they're coming. They're right around. They're right around one of the top three or four teams heading into the season. Yeah, and I just want to encourage anyone out there to watch. If you're a basketball fan, watch the WNBA because there is so much talent in the late in the league right now. There's every team you watch has has these players that are just unbelievable. The, there's so many great great names around the league, great personalities, and it's fun to watch. You know, I mostly focus on the links, but it's I enjoy watching WNBA even just a random game that's on um, just seeing, you know, the more you get to know the players, the more you get to appreciate the league. So basketball fans, if you're out there, watch WNBA. I concur with that statement, Josiah. It's like all basketball, good basketball. It doesn't matter. <laughs> male, female, black, white, Latino, it doesn't matter who you are. You, you can hoop. We can, we can spot. I'm visually impaired, so it's hard for me to spot it <laughs> visually, but I know, most uh, you, you for sure. You can spot a hooper from a hooper. Doesn't matter who you are. So you gotta you gotta watch good basketball and see it. Yeah, absolutely, bro. All right. Thank you so much, Josiah. We'll have to have you on again soon. You've been a great guest. I appreciate your friendship. Mostly, I just want to let you know we've lost a lot of people in the media lately. We just we just need to let let each other know how much we love each other. I've never met you in person. I've never seen you in person, but I just want to let you know you're you're 
very good, crucial friends, and I appreciate you hopping on, spending some time with me uh, at short notice. Yeah, man, it's fun to get to know people on Twitter, and it's exciting to have you get your podcast moving, and I'm happy to be on here and, you know, spit whatever takes I have as good or bad as they may be. So, skull to you, and I will see you on Twitter. Likewise. You have a good evening. All right, bro. You too. Thanks again to my boy Josiah for joining us and talking some Vikings and Wolves chat. So now let's move on to uh, the latest episode of WandaVision. So beep, 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 spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you have not watched WandaVision or, uh, or have not watched episode 6, please stop listening now. Thank you all people. So this show is just bad shit crazy. It's just crazy. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I'm glad to, I'm glad to believe Wanda is the villain. It's I understand from some buddies on Twitter telling me that it's possible that something or somebody is controlling her that took advantage of her in her states. Uh she commented in in uh, episode 5 when the sword agent when sword the sword agents tried to get through to her that she said uh, I'm in a place where no one can control me, no one can take anything away from me. So she's overcome by grief, and so she tries to formulate her own reality. And we see in episode 6, we see Quicksilver uh, 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 re- uh, reappear. Of course, he reappears in the uh, for, uh, in the character he was in X-Men Days of Future Past. The, there was, of course, a, a, a sly line referring to Kick-Ass, which is a movie in which actors Evan Peters and Aaron Taylor Johnson were both in, the two gentlemen who played the two different characters of Quicksilver. So it was interesting to see how reality is bended. Uh, I loved the homage to Malcolm in the Middle and the theme. I, I'm trying to figure out what other TV shows were homaged, where they, that they, what other TV shows that they sort of uh, gave tributes to. I would imagine... The last episode, they gave tribute to her sister, uh, Elizabeth Olsen's sister's show, I imagine. I'm not quite sure. I guess it doesn't really matter. Just that this episode's set in the 2000s. But what's really, what's really chilling is what's really interesting is that the, the twins, Tommy and Billy, that they gained their powers. So we find out that uh, Billy, uh, Billy has telekinesis and telepathy, and then Tommy has super speed. So he's sort of sort of imaging, uh, sort of mirroring the powers that Wanda and uh, Petra had. Anyway, so then, then, you find, then we see uh, Monica and Darcy that, they're, try- and, and, uh, that they're, they're trying to break in and try to get to her, that they, thi- they think Wanda's the solution. I'm not quite sure. I don't know. I, like I said, I've, you, you, and you guys can tweet at me, at Skiyu, at Skiyu Miko, S-K-I-Y-O-U, M-E-E-K-O, you guys can tweet at me, tell me what you guys think. I'm not quite sure. I feel like I feel like Wanda's controlling everything. Maybe it's possible that there's a big bad controlling her, but she like, she's sort of controlling what she wants to control. Vision's sort of breaking out of that. Sort of he's walking on the on the edge of the barrier between the between the West Hill. 
it's kind of, it's, it's freaky to find out what truly is at the edge of Westfield. But then, at the end of the episode, we sort of find out that Wanda, she sort of expands her reality. She expands Westfield farther and farther. I just have a feeling it's, that's, this is going to cause a bunch of stuff. A bunch of stuff. What's going to happen in Doctor Strange, what's going to happen in Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3. I feel like, I don't think I don't think Wanda can be controlled. I don't know what you guys think. Wanda's just a bad person. She's a bad woman. I think I think Wanda's a big I think Wanda is the big bad. I really do. So yeah, it's WandaVision. It's a crazy show, guys. Uh I'm through episode six. Uh, next next week we'll have some more uh, more episodes and maybe it'll be more uh more clear as to how the Westview, uh, West, the how the Westview paradox is, uh, is heck, how the Westview hex is reversed. It'll be interesting to see. All right, well, you guys have a nice weekend. It's been a great first week with this new and en- new endeavor. I hope that we're we're gonna have some great new great guests next week. We got Jordan and Augie, Jordan and Augie from the Link Up, uh, joining on Tuesday. We got. Johnny Krasinski from The Athletic, the Dean of Timberwolves Basketball, joining on Thursday. My main man, Daniel House, Gophers Guru, he's coming on next week also. So you guys have a, you guys take care and have a great weekend. Assalamu alaikum.